Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like Now... To your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, welcome in Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio. Full crew this week, of course. You can find us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes if you don't already. Of course, of course, you're probably listening to us on Stitcher, the mobile app, wherever you are. Appreciate you tuning in. Of course, we are brought to you by Blue Apron. Uh, don't forget if you go to blueapron.com backslash Red Sox Beat, uh, you will get your first three meals for free with free shipping. It's a great program, uh, great deal. So go on, check it out, uh, and you'll get your first three meals for free. Um, very exciting times. Red Sox uh, regular season is over, and that means uh, we're moving on to the playoffs. Uh, full crew here, Lauren, Jess, myself. Uh, what's going on, guys? Very exciting stuff going on. Very exciting. I'm so excited. It's playoff baseball time, and you have so much to talk about, so I'm really excited. We haven't done a show with playoffs yet. This is exciting. Yeah, the three of us have not done a playoff show, um, and I will consider this the first one. Because yeah, the Red even Sox though we'll will... talk about the regular season, but <laughs> yeah, but it's our first show after the regular season, so very exciting right. stuff. Red Sox, despite pretty much backing into the playoffs with losing six out of their last eight games, um, did win the division still. So not obviously to be taken lightly. They will play the Cleveland Indians uh, in the ALDS. They will start in Cleveland Thursday night. Uh, Rick Porcello gets the ball. Uh, David Price will get the ball in Game 2. They made the right decision. We'll touch on that a little later as we kind of preview some of the playoff stuff going on here. But um, this week, guys, we had the Yankees series. We had the Blue Jays series. A bunch of David Ortiz hoopla going on here at Fenway Park this weekend. Um, and before we get into any of that, I, I want to just kind of send it over to you, Jess, so we can kind of break down the week that was, the importance of these games, and kind of what happened little by little here during the week. Yeah, first of all, I'd like to apologize for you guys missing the last uh, show because me and Nick had a blast talking about a perfect 7-0 week. You don't get to do that much, and we really <laughs> no, enjoy it. No, you don't. It, so. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it happens. I was moving. This is my first show in my new house, so it, it was very exciting. And you missed so few shows, and you missed the one there was 7-0. I was like, oh, Jared. <laughs> right? I know. We always predict the 7-0 week, or someone, someone tries to, and it never actually happens. I know, but it actually happened. So I apologize on your guys' behalf, Lauren. I'm sorry. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. And you missed the week before where they also played incredible, so I really feel bad for you. But anyway. I know, and I come <laughs> back, back and they're playing awful, so maybe I'm the X Factor here. Yep. You Lauren, go away. All right, bye. <laughs> All right, well, this week, uh, no, was, I mean, it was a lot of close games. It wasn't as bad of a week as it may look. Um, Tuesday against the Yankees, this was the, looking for the 12th straight win in a row after an 11 game winning streak that me and Nick discussed in detail last week. Uh, this was a 6-4 loss to the Yankees. Uh, David Price started, and he was garbage. Six and a third innings, 12 hits, six runs, only two strikeouts, gave up three dingers. And his ERA went back up over four at 404. Um, the Red Sox offense was sticking around for sure. Um, 
after it was three nothing Yankees after five. Uh, Pedroia made it three to one with an RBI single. Betts made it three to two with a ground out. Uh, Gregorius hit a home run off Price in the sixth to make it four two. Aaron Hill pinch hit and hit a home run in the seventh to make it four three. Dustin Pedroia tied the game at four with an RBI single in the seventh also. And in the bottom of the seventh, Tyler Austin had a two-run homer to make it 6-4. That was the final. The story of this game, guys, was every single time the Red Sox offense came back, which was numerous times, David Price gave up a run right afterwards in the same inning. Yeah, I think I look at this game as a concern. Um, as the, you know, as the season winds down, you get closer to the playoffs, you put David Price in a big spot. Um Chance to clinch the division. All you got to do is win this game. Magic numbers one, and he comes out and sucks. And it's just, it's kind of ridiculous to look at this and say, um, obviously he's pitched well since the whole second half here, and he's done a really good job. But it's starting to get to crunch time, and you put him in a tough situation, and he fails, and it's cause for concern moving forward because considering his playoff history as well. Yeah, no doubt. It's um, definitely a concern. And like you said, he'd been pitching really well, especially his last few starts. He was really pitching like an ace. And to see this right before heading into the playoffs, and even though he's getting the ball for game two, it's just like, it's definitely a little concerning to to watch that. And he's been terrible against the Yankees all year. It's, this is not the first time this has happened. It's happened several times, and he, for some reason, he just has no idea to pitch against them. And you know, this was an easy spot, easy, easy situation to get to twelve straight wins. The offense was clicking; they kept coming back. It's, it was a bummer because really, really easily could have been twelve in a row and just knocked the Yankees further out. But Price was not able to execute, so uh, the division was not clinched at this point. I had to wait till the next day. So the next game was on uh, Wednesday. And this was one of the stranger games of the year, for sure. Uh, it was scoreless through seven innings. Clay Buckholtz, dominant. Six innings, one hit, no runs, two walks, six strikeouts. Can't say enough about that guy. And then Brian Mitchell on the other side for the Yankees pitched seven innings, only gave out two hits also. Five walks, but no damage, no runs. So it was a really well-pitched game. Um, the Sox scored two in the eighth on a Mookie Bet three in the eighth, excuse me, on a Mookie Betts two-RBI double and uh, Ortiz scoring on a pass ball. It's 3-0 after 8. Looking pretty good. Um, and then in the ninth inning of the game, Red Sox fans found out that the Red Sox won the division because of the result of the Baltimore-Toronto game. So they'd already won, and then Craig Kimbrell, they'd already won the division. Craig Kimbrell came out and loaded the bases with no outs and walked in a run through 28 pitches without getting a single out and then had to be pulled for Joe Kelly and... Joe Kelly came in, got two outs, was looking good, and gave up a meatball. Mark Teixeira, grand slam. 5-3, to three, Yankees win. Didn't matter. Red Sox won the division anyway. Walked off the field, all dejected. Went in the dugout, in the clubhouse. John Farrell boosted him up with a good speech. Expletives ablaze and a nice, fun celebration. I thought it was awesome. Weird, Really weird game, but awesome in the end. Yeah, it really threw me off. Like I had to like process <laughs> what was going on because you lose and you hate to lose. Especially, that's like the worst way you could have lost. And then, then but then they they walk in the locker room and it's you show you see it and it's awkward. They none of them want to touch the bottles. Like it's awkward and all of a sudden it just happens and then it breaks loose. I love that Nesson wasn't afraid to just keep it there and let them swear and let them go at it. Um, <laughs> magical moment, of course, watching them celebrate in the locker room. I think it's awkward. Um, and of course, we want them to celebrate more for more meaningful things. Winning the division is a big deal, but obviously the job's not done. But that being said, Kimbrell was terrible in this game, and this is the concern. There's multiple notes here within this week that Kimball was not good. And it's not a good thing for your stud closer who's supposed to lock down games for you to have a terrible week, if not two weeks, going into the playoffs where you need him, especially with with starting pitching being shaky after Price and Porcello. And even Price, because you don't know what you're going to get from David Price in the playoffs. You need a guy who can shut down at the back end of this bullpen, and I'm afraid of Craig Kimball right now. Yeah, it's not fun to watch, and it's not a good feeling when he comes on the mound and you just have this feeling in your stomach that it's not going to go well and he just walks way too many people it's just like walk after walk after walk and you know even though they won the division that night it's still like I'm glad they got to celebrate I loved watching them celebrate but it's at the back of my mind I'm like they still lost because Kimbrell sucks and could not get it together for whatever reason he can't get it together he's supposed to be one of the best closers out there and he can't close out a game he like just said 28 pitches without recording an out and it's just that's not something he can do in the playoffs because it's it's playoffs it's crunch time and I I don't know like we don't have somebody else who can 
who can save these games, and it's it's that's one huge concern that I have going into the playoffs. Well, I'm sure Koji would be fine, but you don't want to rely on a 40 year old guy to be closing games. I mean, yeah, it's it's a concern definitely with Kimbrel. He was pitch, he pitched incredible for the last couple months before that, so I'm not necessarily concerned. I mean, always the walks always concern me just because you never want to walk guys, and he has a wild side to him. But we'll cover that a little bit later. Going more into this game, I don't think it was awkward at all. I don't care what happened in this game. This is one inning of 162 games. What John Farrell said in the locker room, don't let one in, one bad inning like cloud your mind for the whole season. This has been an excellent season. I don't care what happened in this game. You know, One bad inning, Kimbrell didn't do well. Kelly came into a bad situation, gave up a grand slam, you lose. Who cares? They deserved every right to celebrate. I, I like that they celebrate every achievement because it's a long season, it's a ton of months, and it's hard to win. And they did great. They celebrated. I loved it. I had zero problem with it. Oh, I never said I, I had a problem with it. I just said it was awkward. <laughs> because it's, I, why, why, though? You don't think the players thought that was super awkward for like 10 minutes? Just thinking of like, we just got screwed by a walk-off Grand Slam, and then they go into the, into the locker room pissed and go, wait, oh yeah, we have to celebrate. We kind of just won the division. Like, as a player, I would think that was awkward. I'm not saying it had to be awkward the entire time. I don't think it was, but right away, it definitely was. I mean, I'm sure it probably felt awkward in the beginning for them, kind of being like, we just lost on... And but they had so much reason to celebrate, and I loved what Joe Kelly said. He was like, "Ah, oh, I was mad for a minute, and then he got over it because he realized that because like, you could pop bottles, it, yeah, and they could let loose and just have fun and kind of forget about the loss." But they probably, I mean, it probably was a little bit awkward for them in the beginning, and then they're like, "Oh, whatever, we're getting drunk, so this is gonna this is gonna be fun." Yeah. I think Pedroia's expression did it perfectly when he walked off the field. He looked at Bogarts and just shrugged his shoulders, and he probably was just thinking, "You know what?" lost the game whatever let's go celebrate i think he had the right attitude about it he was just like oh well <laughs> what are you gonna do it happens. he always has so. the right attitude yeah he does and i think that's what the players should follow and i'm glad farrell took charge because he was like hey you know what whatever it's one game it's concerning but it's one game so i was cool with it um so that was that very strange night one of the strangest celebrations you'll see for sure but well deserved okay bring us into thursday looking to get swept in three games and well not looking to but <laughs> it happened um five to one yankees win henry owens started this game and honestly he wasn't that bad um really not bad at all they pulled him before it got could get bad gave up two runs and four and two thirds innings six strikeouts only two walks that's not much for him but the offense was not happening against cc sabathia xander bogart's had a home run in the fourth and that was it for the offense only four hits off sabathia so really Clean sweep. I mean, the Sox swept the Yankees at the most important point um, in the four-game series. So, yeah, the Red Sox fell, fell a little bit here on the three-game road trip, a little faltering after a huge winning streak. You know, weird luck with the uh, price not pitching well and then with the walk-off grand slam, obviously. So this was the only game the Yankees really won one, I'd say. So, you know, Sabathia just pitched pitch well. Yeah, I think this is the game that you just kind of ran into good pitching. Um, CC had, like, a somewhat decent year. Um, for a team that's just not wasn't good, um, I know they had a good run. They almost made the playoffs, but I think this this game was the one that if you looked back and lost this game, you would have said, "Yeah, okay, whatever." He ran into CC, he had a good night. It happens. But I think the other two games were tough. But this one was really wasn't a big deal because, like I said, CC just pitched really well. Yeah, he pitched really well, and you don't want, you don't ever want to get swept by by the Yankees, but really by any team. But he was just Sabathia was just looked great that night at everything going for him and we just couldn't figure him out. Yeah. It happens, right? You run into good pitching occasionally. Even great offense like the Red Sox. It happens occasionally. So that was that. Swept by the Yankees, three lame losing streak, fall on eleven game winning streak. Brought us into Friday against Toronto, which was another big series because they were fighting for a playoff spot. Sox were fighting for home field advantage. Um and Friday's game was good. It was a uh it was a fun game. It was a 5-3 to three win. A nice little comeback. Uh, the pitcher matchup was Rick Porcello against Marco Estrada. Porcello went six innings, eight hits, three runs, six strikeouts. Not one of his sharper games, but just as he always does, six innings, three runs or less. That's what he does. Uh, Dustin Pedroia had three hits in this game. David Ortiz hit a home run. Um, just a quick run of the line. Ortiz made it one nothing in the first with the RBI single. Donaldson tied up with a sack fly in the fifth. Batista had a two-run homer off for Sullivan to make it 3-1. to one. But the size came back. Um, Pedroia, RBI single in the seventh to make it 3-2. Mookie Betts made it 3-3 with an RBI single to tie it up. 
And then in the same inning, the seventh inning, right afterwards, David Ortiz hit a two-run homer, 38th of the season, 5-3 to three win. Porcello didn't get the win, but he finished the season with a really solid 315 ERA, and David Ortiz was David Ortiz. David Ortiz is just awesome. I love David Ortiz. Um, this, ga- <laughs> this game, um, it, was, it, was, it was good to watch. I think David Ortiz is a reason why he won the game, and obviously it's a big deal, but um, obviously hopefully he continues into the playoffs. But um, it's good to get a win, especially considering what he just kind of went through with the Yankees. Um, wasn't sure a little bit going into this one, but um, they did a really good job, uh, obviously, bouncing back after being swept. Um, and Ortiz was there, like always. I just feel like David Ortiz can do no wrong, and he's really done no wrong this this entire regular season. And to start off his final series at home with something like with a win and him being a huge contributor to it is like so 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 fun for him. I I love him. <laughs> Super appropriate for sure, definitely. Yeah. And before this game, the uh, Red Sox honored him. They showed all of the work that he's done with David Ortiz. Uh, children's Fund saved 563 children's lives with heart surgeries, um, and a few of them were there to uh, to see him. So that was a really cool moment, the first of three ceremonies. Um, I thought that was a good touch just to make everyone aware who you know maybe wasn't aware all that he's done in the Dominican and how many lives he saved. All right, so let's move on here to uh, Saturday's game, another Kimbrel game. Um, Four to three loss in this one. It was it was not not an ideal uh, outcome. Especially, you really wanted to win, stay ahead of Cleveland. Um, Rodriguez, Eduardo Rodriguez, didn't pitch well at the beginning. Ended up, you know, salvaging the outing, striking out nine in five innings. Jay Happ was not as sharp either early. Neither of them were sharp. Ton of walks in this game. Uh, Thirteen walks total for both teams combined. Only nine hits. It's really all about the walks and. Um, the Sox tied the game in the eighth at three on a Roberto Osuna balk. Mookie Betts scored, make it 3-3. And then right after the Sox tied it up, Kimbrell came in. He walked Michael Saunders. They pinch hit Dalton Pompey. He went to second on a sack bunt, went to third in a horrendous wild pitch, and scored on an Ezekiel Carrera sack fly to make it 4-3. No hits needed, just a walk and some good baseball. And Toronto won 4-3 and took the second game in the series. You know, this is one you wanted to push into extra innings, see what your offense can do, and Kimball didn't give him a chance. Yeah, it's n- another concern of mine. And I, I, I don't understand just how you can look at this week and not be concerned because, one, the team backed in. I understand they're, they're, they're resting guys. They're not playing meaningful games. They're, they're kind of, they know they're playing, but they're still playing for something. They're playing for home field. They're playing for a chance to start at home, and this is a game where you win this game, you're in pretty good shape to do so. Um, and, and you're riding high. You should have had home field against Cleveland. You blew that all this week. And Kimbrell was a big reason why. I'm very concerned with Craig Kimbrell. I, I, I'm thinking about it more and more, and I'm, I'm afraid. I hope Farrell doesn't put him in any close situations. He probably has to. Um, but if it's not a safe situation, this guy just isn't in the right headspace. Yeah, I mean, again, it's another game that he came in where we're trusting him to close it out. And, again, it's just – like just I didn't need any hits. It's it's walks. It's wild pitches. It's just it's out of and it's, he just doesn't have any control over his pitches anymore. It seems like and I don't know if he's just not a hundred percent healthy or if there's an underlying injury somewhere. I, I I'm just I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> he he never really gives up that many hits. It's always walks. It really is always walks. He's not control. He, his Dangerous. fastball is very out of control. And it's the worst part about it is it is his fastball. It's not his curveball. It's, I'd be less afraid if it's his curveball. Yeah, I'd be less afraid if he's yeah. just missing with his curveball, but he's missing with his best pitch. Right, and it's weird because sometimes he's really on and just is like locked in, and then other times he's just all over the place. It's a little too inconsistent what you want for supposedly the, one of the best closers in the league. I mean, he has been one of the best closers in the league for several years. So hopefully we can snap together. Uh, in this game, the ceremony for Ortiz was um, the whole 2016 Boston Celtics team um, current Bruins and former Bruins, Bobby Orr, Ray Bork, and then uh, four Patriots from the past. Also a couple Marathon Bomber survivors. Uh, Pete Frades was there. So another ceremony, uh, different people coming out and honoring Ortiz, which was awesome as well. It was fun to see the whole Celtics team out there with Ortiz shirts on. It was weird because they were wearing 34 Celtics jerseys and it wasn't Paul, Paul Pierce. Pierce. <laughs> Especially considering he just announced his retirement. So, like, 
it's one of those right. things where it just looked weird. Um, I'll talk more about the ceremonies later. Yeah, of course you will. <laughs> uh, brings us to Sunday. Um, another Toronto win, two to one. That was today, Sunday. Two one loss. Uh, Aaron Sanchez had uh, six no hit innings. Hanley Ramirez had a home run off him and blew it for him. But Bradley either gave up a run the next inning to make it two to one. And the Jays won. I think everyone was shell shocked from the ceremony because this today was a real ceremony, um, longer ceremony. Former Red Sox players from previous championships came out. Um, his whole family, his dad. Um, they gave they uh, they named the bridge David Ortiz Bridge and David Ortiz Drive. They said they're going to retire his number next year. Um, so he got a whole lot of stuff today. Uh, he was exhausted. And so nobody really did much on offense. And it's too bad because if the Sox won, they could have forced the Indians to play their makeup game tomorrow. Now they don't have to because the Indians locked up the second seed. So tough loss, but I mean, really, that comes with the territory with such a, a celebration that it was today. Boy, was it nice. Yeah, it was a good ceremony. I enjoyed this one. Um, and I think that this game, one thing was cool about this game, too, and I know, I don't know if we're going to note it later, but one thing that was cool was that with that home run for Hanley, uh, it's actually the first time in Sox history that three players have had 30 homers and 100-plus RBI in one season in the Red Sox history, and I think it was like the 13th time in Major League Baseball history it happened for a team. So um, really cool feat happened today for the Sox, despite the loss. Um, Hanley, with that home run that was very close to being foul, um, put, him, put this team in very high class. Yeah, it's. I was super pumped when he hit it. I was like, yes, 30 home runs, Hanley Ramirez. I was jacked up. It was awesome. Incredible offense this year for everybody. It really was, and it's been nice to see that it's from everyone. You know, obviously we have our players like Ramirez, Ortiz, and, and but just to see everybody contribute like game after game, it's this offense has been just been so much fun to watch all year. Sure has. So. We'll get into more David Ortiz. Uh, MVP of the week, I'm giving it to David Ortiz because the Sox didn't play well, and he's the man, and he still had good games. He hit the home run. It was all about him this week, and this whole season's been about him, so let's give MVP to David Ortiz in his last week. And least valuable player, Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, very least, like bottom of the barrel, least. Um, So for one thing, before we kind of go through the recap, do you think that, David Ortiz is relieved that the ceremonies are over and that he can just go focus on playoff baseball. Oh yeah. He said as much. He said in his post game press conference, I watched the whole thing. He said, he's glad it's over. We can focus, get a couple, couple of days of rest and uh, focus on the playoffs. So yeah, it's been a lot. He's gotten, he's gotten honored in every, in every uh, stadium and it's been a long process. He's got a ton of requests for everything, handled it all in stride, done his best, did a great job and, had the most incredible season for the last season in history. So I'd say he did pretty good. He has a right to be tired. Yeah, no doubt he has a right to be tired. It's it's a long season. We all know that. And, you know, between travel and the games and his his feet. So it, I'm, of course, he's glad it's over. And like you said, he can rest. He can really just put his mind to, to play off baseball. And, of course, he is the MVP for the week. No shocker there that Jess gives him the MVP. Um, And that is uh, the recap this week. Uh, Of course, it is brought to you by our good friends over at Blue Apron. Um, Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron achieves this, of course, by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. Um, has a huge impact on the household. Cooking together builds strong family bonds. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. Those who spend a lot eating out or at high-end grocery chains can now spend under $10 per person for a delicious meal. Um, I just moved into a new house, and I had a shipment waiting for me the day I moved. It was great because I didn't want to deal with it. (laughs) Um, And it was nice to kind of use that after moving into this weekend. So um, that was big. I know you two are, are still using it regularly as well. That's a perfect perfect thing for you uh have that lined up for you that's that's nice. what places like blue that's the blue aprons for that's like oh you have a long day where you can't cook cool we'll cook for you yeah Love we'll it. show you the steps it was it was awesome so um for less than ten dollars a meal blue aprons delivering seasonal recipes along with 
pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals, so they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. Um, you can check out this week's menu, of course, uh, for the entire month and this week. Um, and, of course, you can get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash redsockspeed. It's a great deal. Um, if you aren't using Blue Apron, go check it out. Um, you'll love how good it feels and it tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. Of course, again, that's blueapron.com slash redsockspeed. Uh, Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And, of course, we love having them on as a show sponsor. Um, and we all love them. Of course, like I said, make my life so much easier moving into the new house. So um, that being said, guys, a lot a lot going on this week other than baseball. Red Sox clinched early in the week. We had other stuff going on. Um, let's start with David Ortiz and, and the ceremonies. Um, I'm going to let you guys go first. <laughs> um, what did you guys think of them celebrating him all weekend, the, the, the monotony of it? Was it too much or was it enough? I I loved it. I mean, you know me. I love ceremonies, and I'm all for them. I I didn't realize. I knew they were going to be doing stuff all weekend. I didn't think it was, it was going to be as be as big as it was. Obviously, today I knew it was going to be a big one. But I really liked the Celtics, the Bruins. Um, I really liked how they had the marathon survivors there. It's just a nice added touch to them, and I definitely think it brightened up the weekend because it was such a crap weekend here. And I think they did a great job with it. I and I don't really think it was over the top or anything, but that's just me. I love ceremonies. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. I mean, yeah, they actually did a little more on Friday and Saturday than I expected them to do, which I was obviously cool with. Um, just showing his impact on the community and the Dominican was awesome. And then to have those players get to come out and see him in honor one last time, IT getting a little autograph, Isaiah Thomas on the Celtics, that was fun. Um, yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was great that they did all, did all those things. That way everyone who paid a ton of money each day for the weekend series could see a little something on their uh, on their their day they get to see him one more time. Then obviously the big one today, that was awesome. Getting his number retired next year, that is epic. And like we said here, first player in Sox history to not be in the Hall of Fame to have their number retired. Totally deserving. Three championships, that's all you have to say. Numbers aside, three championships. That's 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 pretty much all you need to say. I thought all the ceremonies were totally, totally deserving. Uh, I can't get enough of them. I wanted more. I don't think it was monotonous at all. I thought it was a great touch, extremely well done. And who better to do a weekend-long ceremony for than one of the best players in Red Sox history? Uh, see, this weekend is why I hate the Red Sox ownership. I, I know. How it. dare they honor the best one of the best players no, you've ever seen? I'm not life. saying that they, they should. I'm not saying they shouldn't have honored him. <laughs> My point is, is that it should have been one day. It should have been today. It's just you, you honor him Friday. It's like saying good, these ceremonies are like saying goodbye, and that you're saying goodbye, and then they're coming back the next day, and then they're saying goodbye again, and they're and they're coming back the next day. Today made sense. Today was a great ceremony. I loved it because he deserves it. But three days, and I get the billboards. Billboards are cool, whatever. The, the outfield grass was awesome. I hope they keep that all postseason. Um, all that stuff I'm cool with. It's just, why three days of it? Like, I, I turned it off, to be completely honest. I, I turned it off and then went back to the game because I thought it was too much. I thought that the Red Sox were overplaying it. The three days was insanely long. Um, they could have fit. Celtics and Bruins into today they could have done more to t- like I, I know today was long but you could have squeezed everything you wanted to into one ceremony and made it more meaningful because spreading it out almost waters them down I think it made it more fun I don't think it really watered it down and Jess I like what you said that for the weekend that anyone who paid for the weekend kind of got a, like a ceremony each day exactly. and I don't know if you guys humored yourself and looked at prices of tickets for this weekend or for even today but the cheapest i found was like 179 for standing room for today (laughs) and i just think like i mean that's a crazy amount of money and i understand why people are going to spend that but you know you're going to spend that kind of money and it's just them giving back to the fans as well i don't think it watered it down at all hey you got to think about everything you got to think about what the fans are there to see what money they're paying they're going to see him for the last time. All these people going on different days. Why not do it every day? What? As a Red Sox fan, why would you turn it off? What is wrong with you? Why the heck would you turn that off? This is David Ortiz. This is the guy you've watched your entire life, and you're going to turn it off because it's too much or water down? What? Who are you, Jared? Come on. I am a guy who loves celebrating David Ortiz. I'm the biggest David Ortiz supporter, but this ownership is too much, and this is a prime example. Like It's the brick thing. It's this. It's that. It's way too much for three days. Like Just 
put it to one day. Like, I don't understand. I understand why fans who went would want something for their game because they spent the money. I get that. But as a whole, it just is so much for a three-game series that isn't his last games. I understand it's the last regular season game. That's why today is fine. But the whole weekend, it's just dragged out. But it's not like they did a ceremony today the other two days. They kept it simple. They kept it meaningful. And it's not, like I said, it's not, it wasn't long and drawn out. Like, I know today was, was like long. 15 minutes. Yeah, and it was, I thought, I thought it was just such a nice touch, and especially to just include, I love that they include the Bruins, and of course, like, the Marathon Survivors. It's obviously something close to Ortiz. And it's just, it was meaningful to him. It's meaningful to the fans. And I don't really think anyone's a huge fan of the ownership in Boston, but this is, I, 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 I don't know. I, I could see you turning it off if it was like a 45 minute ceremony each game. I could, because that would have been way too drawn out and way too overdramatic, but it was perfect for what the time they were given for what they did. And it was just a perfect way to, to keep honoring Ortiz. In fact, I think it's exactly the opposite. I would say it's watered down if you tried to get all that stuff into one day. They're spreading it out so you don't have too much in each day. Like, it's it's perfect. You do a certain amount this day, a certain amount that day, bigger one on Sunday. Today's ceremony would have been like two hours long if they tried to fit everything into the one ceremony. There's no point. If they're going to they're gonna honor him that much, which they should, and they did, which is awesome, they should do it all, all weekend and give everyone a little chance to do it. I'm sorry. That's just – I disagree with you on everything. I, I couldn't disagree with you more on this. See – the thing is, and I understand what you're saying, is like, okay, you spread it out, it's, you want to do all this stuff, and you might not be able to fit into one day, but some of the stuff might have not needed to happen. Um, like, I understand, like, the Dominican president coming, because the impact he had on the, on, the, on, the, on the Dominican as a whole. I understand the Red Sox players, his old teammates coming, love seeing Manny in a Red Sox uniform again. Love myself to Manny Ramirez. Um, Bruins and Celtics? Yeah debatable um could have maybe been left out other stuff like that like you need to keep it simple you need to keep it concise do the most meaningful moments boston marathon obviously had to be in there um because of everything he meant during that time obviously uh the quote he said when he was talking at the stadium right after it happened like all that stuff was super meaningful the things he impacted on and off the field um Celtics and Bruins I could have done without, not a huge deal, other stuff like that. Um, you could have fit this all into one day, and that's my point. I understand why you guys could see it being a good thing to spread it out for three days, and, and I can see that argument. But my point is this situation comes into the point of you, you have three games here that don't really matter, and I think it's just them drawing interest in a weekend. Um, I think it's just using David Ortiz. Like, there's patches on all their sleeves, like all that crap. Like, not needed. Like, wait doesn't matter. We're like going for home like, field advantage in the like, first round. Well, clearly they didn't care because they weren't trying. Um, look, I just think that this game, this whole series, like they were treating him like the guy died. Like that's why I look at this whole weekend. Like it was like a tribute to a guy who just passed away. Patches on their arms, all this stuff happening. Like I love David Ortiz, and it might not sound like that right now, but the three days is just way too much. I think you're just crazy. I, I've been called crazy so. plenty of times. Not gonna lie, but it's, it's not like it's not like a David Ortiz comes around every other day. Like this is a big deal. You might not see another player like this in your lifetime. No, okay. So other we sports act like he dies. He's worth that. Okay, <laughs> so when Paul Pierce comes back, are they gonna celebrate him in all week games leading up to the end of the regular season? Like, are they gonna? Unfortunately, do that? he's not still on the team. If he was, they probably would. I highly doubt it. Because well, baseball is a little different than basketball too. You can do more. The field's bigger than the court. <laughs> okay, but I'm not, I'm not complaining that. about the boards. I'm not complaining about the field and all that stuff. I'm just complaining about the number of ceremonies there were. I just think three was too many. Oh, we all know you hate ceremonies anyway, which we've discussed on the show before. So, yeah, I, like the, I like the Sunday ceremony. I didn't hate that one. Like that one was good. It was respectful. It catered to what needed to happen. All the players came back. It was awesome to watch. But that's it. That's all you need. You don't need three. You got problems, man. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> uh, you drained you, all my positive energy. I will tell you, I'm not the only one who has said this, so it's not just me going crazy. You're the only one who said it to me, and that's all that matters to me. So I am going to put a positive spin on this and say that David Ortiz is God, and he is an amazing human being, and he is incredible. I celebrated my birthday today, and all I wanted the day to be about was David Ortiz. This was all about David Ortiz. He's the man. He's the greatest player I've ever seen play baseball in a Red Sox uniform. 
Hall of Famer, absolutely no doubt. Number retired, love it. This guy is everything that is Boston baseball. He changed Boston baseball. He probably made a lot more fans than the Sox would have had normally with everything he did. This guy, I can't say enough about him, and I'm sure we'll say more about him when the playoffs keep happening. But, oh, if there's anybody who deserves a fourth championship in his final season, it's this guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's just like I could talk for hours about him. And it's obvious that he's an amazing baseball player. And even off the field, just like the video tribute of all like the kids he's helped. And you know, they had the, the child from the Dominican today. And just like the things he does for the kids and just to see their, their faces light up, too, it's just like, ugh, like how much better can this guy get? One thing I do agree with that the Red Sox are doing is the fact that they did announce today they're going to retire his number next year. Um, I do agree with that because yeah, that's awesome. That there's no no one else is going to wear 34. They'd be stupid to not retire right away, yeah. even though I mean he's going to be in the Hall of Fame at some point. Whether he's first ballot or not is obviously a debate. Um, I think obviously he is, but people in the writers the stupid steroid situation. But it's right and the for designated the, hitter. Yeah, and the whole DH thing. But it's right for them to say come out and retire his number. Um, you kind of got a hint of it when they tweeted out the Red Sox did that you could like go because they have his number set up like they do with the other numbers right by the train station right there outside of Fenway, um, that walkway leading up right. to the uh, commuter rail out there. Um, they, they made a number for him. So obviously you knew they were retiring his number because those are all retired numbers. So um, they definitely hinted at it before they made the announcement today. But I, I think that part of it was awesome because that's something that he definitely deserves. Um, for the first time ever, they're retiring someone's number who doesn't, isn't in the Hall of Fame. And it, I can't imagine someone else being more fitting for that first ever kind of achievement. Oh, absolutely. It's so fitting. I love it. I can't wait to see it happen. It's, and just the, the amount of things that he does, like behind the scenes for all these different people, like this request, that request, and just how he does it all with a smile and everything. He's just like, he's so aware of everything and how much impact. You know, some of these guys don't realize the impact they have on people, and he does, and he always does, and he never forgets that. And you read all the stories about him. I know Peter Abraham had a whole year-long, like, account of all different stories about Ortiz. I know you read that, Lauren, and it was just like, it's so cool. Like, he does so many things, and he affects so many people that you don't even know about. That was a cool article. That was such a great piece by him. He did such a good job with that, and it just captured everything perfectly. And just the fact that he's, that Pete Abraham spent this season working on it just kind of also reflects the kind of person David Ortiz is. Yeah, that article was really good, and I, I think Pete Abraham was really awesome to do that piece, and I think that reading that was, was awesome. Um, I, I, like you guys said, we could talk about David Ortiz for four hours. So um, moving forward, we do have playoffs to talk about, which is very exciting because, I, I mean, we, all, all of us predicted they'd be in the playoffs to some extent. Um, I know Lawrence still has. Wait, you did? Hopes. Yeah, I said the wild card game. Okay, you said the wild card. All right. Yeah. Come on, I'll give you a little credit. They, I, they, I said they'd make the playoffs, just not the division. Did you say they were going to win the division? Favorite. I don't think you did, right? Uh, no, I said wild card too. You said, said wild card the ALCS. Yeah. So I, I, I said that the, I think I said they'd win a division. I was all, all in for this team. Yeah, yeah, you said you said division and World Series, like so. And you were smart, man. Looking you're smart. on it. Looking smart now. <laughs> um, yeah. So that road to the World Series for Lawrence starts Thursday. Rick Porcello on the mound, getting the getting the game one nod. David Price game number two. Better. Now, who better I think than Rick Porcello? This is definitely the right decision, um, but I'm actually shocked they made the right decision. Let's go with that. Um, I was very shocked to see that they didn't just put David Price at number one um, because of the stature of who he is and how he he did pitch really well down the stretch, except for the last start. So. I'm shocked, but I'm not. I'm very happy because come Thursday, you're going to have the American League Cy Young Award winner pitching Game One. <laughs> That's the smartest thing you've said all night. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the only thing you smart said all night. <laughs> yeah. You guys are awful. Yeah, it's awesome. Give I me mean, Nick. I Where's Nick? Nick will agree with me on everything. <laughs> no, he won't. <laughs> oh, Nick and I Nick were on my. Oh, oh, Nick was talking about how it was watered down this this morning. Oh, come on, Nick. Let me down. Jeez. Anyway, back to Porcello. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. If you say like I can't believe they made the right decision, you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you think about the organization. Nobody in their right mind would be able to 
make that decision and put Price in the first game. You, can, you got a guy who's probably going to win Cy Young on your team, and you're going to start a guy who's supposed to be right, supposed to be Even Adam admitted that Porcello should start like a week ago, and that was a miracle because I've been fighting him all, all season on it. Well, you've been fighting has. me too because, like, I was – I'm I was until this week, I was still set on Price pitching game one. So, oh, Yeah, so both of you, and now you finally come around. It only took Porcello getting 22 wins in a season where he was supposed to be like a third or fourth starter. So, good you know, job, guys. But you he's know man. You Love know what's it. weird, too, about this series? Game two is Kluber versus Price. Like, if if you said to me at the beginning of the season they were going to play each other, that would have been your game one matchup, right? I mean, everyone will assume so. Oh, definitely. Yeah, seems like a game one matchup. Yeah, that is funny. But well, who are they starting? Trevor Bauer in the first game? I believe so. Because of rest or whatever, I guess. Is I what think the so. Was, but uh, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. And, and they don't the, have Carrasco or Salazar. No. And the, and the thing is, I'm very confident in the Red Sox, despite not having home field. They have they were tied with the Cubs, I believe, for the second most road team road wins in the season. Um, this team is a very good road team. So really good. They won. They got. It. They won the division based on road games, essentially. Yeah. Exactly. So. Not worried at all. You're going to play a Cleveland team. This is the, probably the best case scenario for you in the first round situation. You would have if you if you were if you took over Texas, you would have had to play one of the teams in your division. And you know, as much as you think you're a better team, I wouldn't want to play the Blue Jays. And the Orioles can, can beat you every once in a while. So, I think Cleveland's a better matchup in the situation of they're hurt, they're banged up, they lost some pitching, and game one right away you can set the tone because Rick Porcello is going to go in there and be Rick Porcello, and you have a guy on the other side who has, doesn't have any playoff experience. Yeah, I don't think you'd want to play Cleveland normally if they had their their whole team. But with oh, well, Salazar yeah. and Carrasco, they're 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 second and third best pitchers out. I mean, with this offense that the Sox have against guys who aren't pitching normally because these two guys are out, that's a recipe for success if I ever saw one. Well, everyone was pitching everyone was pitching them as the favorite to win the World Series until those guys went down. Exactly. Totally changed now. Hundred percent changed. And it's always Which fun great. to. It's always fun to see Terry Francona again and Mike Napoli now. Oh, see, I'm so torn because I love Mike cel- Mike Napoli celebration postseason stuff, but like now it can't <laughs> happen because then the Red Sox lose. That I just love like I watched so much of the Cleveland Indians videos what, celebrations because it was Mike Napoli was just insane as always. Um, I love Mike. I miss Mike Napoli. Um, this is the one thing that I wanted to touch on too because this is kind of a big deal with the, the situation. Cleveland has the manager edge. You got Terry Francona versus John Farrell. No brainer. Terry Francona is a better manager. So I'm just afraid that you might lose a game in this series or two because of John Farrell. I mean, yeah, yeah it's it's possible, and we all know what Terry Francona is capable of. We saw him here for many years, but you know, I going into the series. You know, John Farrell was under Terry Francona for a number of years as well, and John Farrell's led this team to the World Series before. So it's definitely going to be really interesting. Do I think Terry Francona's the better manager? Yes, but you can have the better manager, but you can have I think we have the better team. Right, and ultimately the better team's going to get you the win. And Farrell learned all, all from Francona, so he probably knows you know kind of what Francona is all about what he does and what decisions he makes. So he probably has a better better sense of him than probably anybody because he was with him for so many years. So I'm not worried about that. The players decide the outcome. I don't think it's going to happen where it's where it's he makes a decision bad enough that it's going to lose the game. He's we lost have great like 12 offense. games for this have, team this year. He's lost 12 games for this team at least this year because yeah, of you poor can say, well, yeah, yeah, you can say that, but the players play the game. The people he put out there, puts out there, they make the plays. They make it happen if they did well then he'd be getting praised you just look at the negative side where the guy didn't do well you didn't look at the other side of what happens if he did do well and you can't go you can't blame lost on managers i just don't believe oh my that. god yes you can stop you, you're, oh. you can't be serious with that yes you can blame managers on you can blame losses on managers are you kidding me you, you leave starters in too long so you okay let me ask you this then you don't you don't blame the aaron boone game on grady little no oh my god I can't talk to you. I think... that's, that's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> you seriously don't blame that on Grady Little? Well, I maybe should have had a little more balls to, to take Pedro out, but if you have one of the best pitchers ever telling you that he can get the outs and get a couple more outs, you might let him too in that situation. Okay, so what if John I Farrell... I didn't agree with it, but... So what if John Farrell in this playoff situation, say game two, David Price is out there pitching kind of well, 
Um, David Price wants to stay in. John Farrell decides to come out and it blows up in his face. Are you going to blame that? Are you going to blame that? Or are you going to blame the bullpen? Um. Well, if Price stinks it up, I'll blame blame Price for not being a better pitcher. Well, my point is, if Price is doing well and he takes him out too soon, because that's we've seen that happen. Oh. oh, oh. Well, I mean, yeah, you got to trust the bullpen to get outs. You get, so you oh got a bullpen god, for a reason. Oh my god, Lauren, you can't I mean, agree with that. say something. Lauren, you can't, Lauren, you can't yeah, agree with that. I'm with Jess on this one. You guys are the worst. About, oh my lord. About, about <laughs> the bullpen, because this is why we have the bullpen is to get. The, their starting pitchers out of jams, no matter what it is, they we get into them. And I know that Farrell has made some questionable decisions, and that maybe some, some games that he, he's made yeah, he's made a few. And there have been games where I could be like, okay, we can blame Farrell for this loss because if he didn't do this, it could have gone this way. But if Farrell can make a decision, you know, say game two we're in that predicament, he he takes out David Price too soon. Okay, then the game blows up in his face. People could blame Farrell, but if Farrell left him in another inning and he gave up two home runs or he gave up a single or something, and he, then the, the bullpen comes in, they could be like, well, Farrell left Price in for too long. That's his fault, too. So it could really go either way, but, it, it, you, I mean, the bullpen is there to help bail you out of these situations, not to make it worse. So you guys think that in the history of the game, every manager that's ever been blamed for a loss – it's, that's wrong. No, I didn't. I mean, probably, I said probably most of the time. Oh my god! I, I mean, I Go you, ahead. You, you can put some of the blame on the manager, yes, but you, the manager isn't out there playing. Oh, I get that, and I understand the players have to do what they're supposed to do. But like, if you if you put a player in a terrible matchup situation, I understand they have to make the pitches. I get that. Players are the ones throwing the ball. But my point is, there are situations where. The manager has to make the right decision, and if he does, and the and the, bull, the bullpen blows it, then it's on the bullpen. Um, and I think it's on the bullpen either way, but some blame has to go to the manager. And Jess, you're telling me that no blame has to go to the manager, and that's ridiculous. Well, I say no blame, but you're not going to be able. You're not going to. You can't blame the manager for a loss. You can say like, oh, maybe that one decision he made with that pitcher giving up one run, maybe that wasn't the greatest thing. But then you go out and you might not score for three more innings after that. That's not the manager's fault. He's not swinging the bat. My point is that like if so say say he took out David Price and brought in the bullpen, and the bullpen pitched great. They got out of it. Okay, then we should be praising him because he made the right decision. It's only if it goes bad that everyone's like, oh, he's the worst manager in the world. He's terrible. He's awful. He's the okay. worst thing in the face of the earth. There's no credit ever given. So you got to no. have both sides of it. In that situation, I'd probably say it was still the wrong decision. I'd say he probably got out of it, luckily. But if you pull out See, David Price too you can't, you can't win. You can't win. Which is why yeah. I don't think you can blame a loss on a manager. Because I give John Farrell praise for some stuff he's done this year. I'm not saying it's all terrible. But my point is he's lost just a, a significant amount of games um, based off some decisions, putting Kimberlin in a four-out save when he didn't need to do it and just not realizing certain players' attributes in certain times and little things here and there that yeah, but you, you can also blame have on a manager. To look at, no, but you also have to look at the whole thing of like – how much work this guy gets like they all have like specific like specifications of this guy needs to do this today that guy needs to do this today this matchup and that matchup there's so much more that goes into it than just a fan like us watching being like oh that was a stupid decision why do you do that that's just there's more to it than that yeah and he makes poor decisions based off the matchups like he knows the matchups they have they have the research yet they're putting in people in certain situations that aren't good like there are some explanations he makes where oh we wanted to keep the righty in the game well why are you bringing someone else in when you can bring Robbie Ross in like there's certain like examples throughout the year that little things like that that his explanations just don't line up with the decisions he made and he just doesn't sound he tries to over explain things he's lost this team games there's no question about that um and that's the only thing I'm telling you is I'm afraid of that going into the postseason well that's why I'm gonna say this and everyone hates it when anyone says this but one of us should try to go be the manager and see how we do because it's a really hard job. It's always questioned. You can never win, which is why I'm never going to blame a manager for a loss most of the time because there's so many decisions to make, and sometimes you make the best decision of what you have, and it still doesn't work out, and you okay, still so, get crap. you can on. use that argument as a player, too. If you're going to blame a player for a loss, well, go try being a player. Go try hitting a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. Oh, totally. I don't like to blame anybody if you lose. If you lose, you lose. It's baseball. Okay, so right. you can't use that argument for the manager if you don't want to blame the player, too. If you're going to blame the player, you have to be able to blame the manager, too. It doesn't go one way or the other. Right? But, but I'm not blaming the player specifically. I'm My point they, is, they, you're, you're saying the player's the one that needs to be blamed for losing a game. 
right? But if you if you if you don't want to blame the player, then in some situations you have to be able to blame. You have to be able to you have to be able to put blame on both because there are parts. I mean, in both I'm not. Situations. I'm not saying that the player. I'm yeah. You can blame the player. I was having to blame the player over the manager because the player is playing the game. The manager is not. But like I said, I don't like to blame anybody because it's hard to hit a baseball. It's hard to pitch a baseball. Yeah, it's baseball. Whatever. Why do we have to blame someone all the time? God. Because that's what media does. That's what you do on the radio. Yeah, well, so. I don't like media. Media shouldn't you, you, do that. Media you, should report on the game. Jess, you are media. <laughs> yeah, and I like to report on the facts, what happens, games, oh, recaps. That's no fun. That's my thing. No, no fun. Oh, it's um, totally fun. All right, let, let's move on because this, we're, we're almost out of time already, and, and we want to make sure we oh get God. to everything. We've um, been at our throats on the show here. Yeah, because, you know, when people say stupid things, I, I go at you. Um, Same. <laughs> it, so we already talked about Craig Kimbrell. We don't need to go more into that. I do want to talk about Drew Pomerantz because um, Rob Manford spoke today, said that uh, the Red Sox had the chance to send Drew Pomerantz back. They said no. Um, now he's pitching out of the bullpen for this team. Do you mind Drew Pomerantz in the bullpen? It didn't look terrible. Um, is this something going forward? Are you mad they didn't rescind the trade? Like, kind of, just kind of give me you guys' thoughts on that whole situation after seeing that Rob Manford basically said they got the opportunity to do and they didn't. No, I'm not mad about it. I think it's kind of cool that they were given that opportunity in the first place. Um, but the fact that they didn't rescind it kind of tells me that they do have a lot of faith in this guy, whether it's as a starter or a, a, a relief guy. And, I mean, I don't mind him being out of the bullpen. It seems to be our thing that if it, they don't work as a starter, they go to the bullpen and they seem to do a little bit better. And, I mean, I'm okay with it. He's he's young. He's, he's only 27. So I'm, I think he's under under contract with the Sox for two more years, I think it is. So, And even if they stick it out with him for two more years, it, he'll only be 29 at that point. So he still has a good career ahead of him, and it's kind of a wait-and-see thing. But no, I'm, I'm, I think they made the right decision. Yeah, I'm cool with it. I mean, when something like that comes out afterwards, I mean, that looks bad. I mean, it, it looks bad, obviously, on the Padres for what they did. But I feel like it would also look bad on the Red Sox for – they were like, oh, we got some more information on you. We don't like you anymore. We're going to get rid of you. I think that might be a bad look. <laughs> Just like totally, totally canning him after after like trading for him. Like, oh, we wanted you, and now actually we don't. So we're going to get rid of you. I think that's a bad look. And not that looks matter, but I think it's smart to keep him. He's pitched well for the most part for us. He hasn't gotten a lot of run support. I'm cool with him out of the bullpen. Yeah, he hasn't pitched very well as a starter. He's His workload is the most he's ever been in his career. He's just getting in the prime of his career. No need to ruin him, so pitch him out of the bullpen, see how he does, start fresh next year, probably as a starter again, and you know work on his arm strength and get him to a higher innings total. I think they're I think they're working with a fine, but I agree. That's, getting rid of him just seem, kind of seems wrong to me. Yeah, I'm okay with them not rescinding the trade. I think that he, he, long term, you know, he's dealing with he was dealing with an injury. I think part of the problem was that the Padres didn't disclose the injury, um, so I think we had high expectations, and then people kind of forgot that you know he had some injury issues. Um, so hopefully, come next year, he'll be healthy and ready to go. But at this point, it seems like he's good enough to be in the bullpen, and, and he's looked decent. So I think it's another option, especially long term, if one of the starters can't last. Um, he's another he's another longer option that you can rely on for three to four innings if if something happened. Yeah, I think having someone like that who is a proven solid pitcher have a couple, you know, a couple innings out of the bullpen here or there, that, that's that's that can't hurt in the playoffs, but by any question. No, and I, th- I think that it's going to help them moving forward. Um, so obviously, we're going to keep an eye all, on all Red Sox things and um, really keep an eye on kind of how the postseason goes. We'll be back next week with obviously the first week of. Um, recapping some games that's going on in the postseason but there is some stuff to talk about around the league as well um so we want to make sure we get to that um first of all let's talk about Vince Scully a second here um because as a media guy as a broadcaster I understand someone who I understand a call like you know like I'll be one to turn off calls uh, I've sunk up radio calls to tv because I don't like I appreciate some calls you know like I'm the one to do that and I know you guys appreciate a good call too and what Vince Scully's meant to baseball um, called his final career game today. Um, Dodgers played the Giants. Guys, he's meant a lot to this game, obviously more to the Dodgers system, but he's he's a figurehead in the in the broadcasting world, so I wanted to, obviously we wanted to make sure we kind of um, paid our respects to a guy who's done it for so long and so well. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Sixty seven years with the same organization and I really loved his send off. I don't know if you guys watched it yet, but it was just it was perfect. It was so fitting, and it it's crazy. I was talking to my grandmother today about him, and 
she's been around for the whole 67 years that he's been here. So it's just, it's kind of cool hearing from somebody who's listened to him for his, for his whole career. And just to see like what he meant to the fans, kind of like if Don Rossello meant this much to Boston, I can't imagine like what he means to, to the fans out in LA. In four, in four times as much time. <laughs> yep. It's <laughs> absurd. Yeah, this guy is nuts. How, how is he still doing this at 88 years old with, like, the sharpness? That, that just boggles my mind. To do that for so long and to be that old and still to be that good, it's it's unbelievable. He probably I mean, I, I'll, I'll, too. Seems like it, yeah. I mean, it seems like he's in good shape. I don't know. I mean, I, I'll admit I haven't heard a ton of him because, you know, I don't watch Dodgers games and, you know, I haven't been alive for 67 years and all that. <laughs> you um, haven't? Oh, really? So, you never would have guessed. <laughs> I am not Lawrence Grandma, uh, so, <laughs> so I can't admit to be, like hearing a ton of his games. But he's got a great voice. I've heard him from time to time, and uh, just just doing the same thing for sixty seven years and still having the passion to do it for that long and to still care so much and to be just such a impactful person. That's really cool. I mean, he's he's the man, and I wish I could say I heard more of his stuff because, like, I'm sure if I was talking about this guy, like I've heard Don Orsolo times four i'd probably be talking about him for about three hours but just what he's done and to be that old and to still be doing it that's remarkable 21 years old to 88 years old that's absurd it's yeah it's crazy and i and the humor he finds in it too like he said they asked like what he plans to do with his time and he's like i'm gonna try to live (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna keep i'm gonna try to keep kicking He's like, what else do you do at this age? And I was like, oh, that's just that's just great. Like, he's so witty, and he he just has still so much energy for his age. Like, if God willing, I make it to that age, I hope I have half the enthusiasm he does. All right, most people are like trying to figure out how to get to the t- table for a, for a meal at that point, much less calling up baseball. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know, right? Like, if, if I'm getting out of bed so at 88, that's a, that's a success. Um, right. Never mind going to work every day like that. So. Um, God bless him, and obviously he'll be well, hopefully, for a couple, at least 10 more years, hopefully. Seems like he's in good spirits, so obviously a huge look to what he meant um, to the baseball community and the Dodgers community. Um, one thing that's crazy, um, and we do want to look a little bit here at the postseason matchups, the Cardinals haven't made the play, didn't make the playoffs this year, and they haven't done that since 2010, so obviously impressive run, not as dominant of a team this year with some injuries as well, but guys, it's really weird seeing the Cardinals not in the playoffs this year. Yeah, very weird. They're always there, and now they're not. Yeah, it's kind of what I said on last week's show. I was like, I we were picking me and Nick were picking who would make it, and I was yeah. You know, part of me didn't believe it, but I was like, you know, the Cardinals are always there. I was like, they'll find a way. The Giants will find a way. The Mets will find a way to screw it up, and it didn't happen. They finished a game behind both of them, but yeah, I mean, it's weird season for them. Bad home record, thirty-eight and forty-three. Great road record, forty-eight and thirty-three. So it's like. They were the best road team in the league this year, but just no home success and just not quite enough wins. They still had a good season, but it's just too many good teams, I guess. It's a handful of good teams in the uh, the National League, and they just weren't quite good enough, which is good for the rest of baseball because they're always dangerous in the playoffs no matter what they do. Yeah, and, and, and it's, I mean, who... The Giants and the Mets beat them out for the wild card spot. You have the, that game going on, uh, which will be a very good one-game um, playoff, I'm sure. Um, I expect that to be a very good game. Um, other wild card, you obviously have Blue Jays, Orioles. Um, so you have three ALS teams who are in the playoffs as of right now, which is cool. Um, thank God one of them is going to be out. <laughs> Hoping the Blue Jays lose, hopefully. Um, that game is going to be in Baltimore, though. So that could help them out a lot if they can fill this st- stupid stadium because they never do for some I reason. I thought it was in Toronto. I thought it was it in is Baltimore. In is it? It's in Toronto. Oh, it is? I was yeah. wrong? That's unfortunate. I thought it was in Baltimore. I could have sworn I heard something. someone say on the radio today it was in Baltimore. <laughs> oh, yeah, well. I think Toronto. Well, they tied, right? They had the same record. But they, did, they did tie. I guess. Is it I guess head-to-head? Toronto had yeah. Is it head-to-head? Right. Must be head-to-head. Yes, that's the next tiebreaker. Um, okay, so it's in Toronto. So never mind. Toronto's probably going to win then. Uh, um, so that being said, you got playoff matchups around the league that are exciting obviously Austin against Cleveland should be a good series you have the Dodgers playing the Nationals that could potentially be a really good series in the first round um then you obviously have um the Rangers and the Cubs waiting on these wild card games um guys there's a lot of good baseball coming up our way for sure in October oh yeah it's I mean all these series are set to be really good series I mean I can see you know, besides obviously besides the wild card, I can see see these going 
multiple, multiple games. I'm so mixed about wild cards because, like, I like it. Hate it. I like the next. Well, I like the next year team as a chance at least because that team wouldn't have a chance normally. But then you see the matchup and you get excited. It's like, oh, Baltimore, Toronto. And it's one game. It's like it's so anticlimactic. I wish that they could just be a series. I understand why it can't be, but it's like you hate to knock one of these teams out so quickly. I mean, look at the Pirates all these years. Look at the Pirates all these years. I know it's sad. It's it really is sad. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I like that they have a chance, but it's just too difficult if you lose. See, I hate it because look, the team like the Pirates for the last couple years could have been a team to go all the way. You know, again, in a, a seven-game series, I would have taken the Pirates a lot of the time. But, you know, in one-game situation, for some reason, they couldn't pull it off. Um, so I look at it as a situation where I don't like the wild card. I get why they did it. It's extra game. It's extra money, whatever. But I think overall, I, I, I just don't agree with the wild card game because it's clear one team really does deserve it, and you play the playing game if you die. Yeah, I'm so torn on it, too. And it's... One game, and I feel like there it does. These these teams, their entire season comes down to one game, and if they lose, their season's over. And it's so like it's so frustrating because I see a series like the Mets and the Giants, and I would love to watch that as a as a series and not just one game. Right. It's so like unsatisfying. Like why you have to lose after one game? Toronto, Baltimore, that'd be a great five game series. It's it's really a shame. It's too bad. I'm looking forward to seeing Texas, though, in the playoffs because I haven't seen a whole lot of them this year. 95 wins, but their run differential is 8. How good can they be? Yeah, really. I, I think I, well, I think it's, like, it's, I want to know. It's pitching. They win close games. I think that's the big thing. Um, they, they win the close games, and that's why they're a good team, plus obviously pitching and um, late game. They're big about winning the close games. I think that's why they're such a good team. I think they're just, they were just in a lot of close game situations this year. I think I read correctly that they have the best record in one game one run games in history really makes sense that's with a that lot. run differential i mean yeah if you're if you're, the, if you're the best record in the american league with a plus you say six or eight eight like, plus eight plus eight that's run nothing. differential that's that's nothing at all that's like a team where you expect to be like a wild card team maybe like plus like, eight diff- run differential is nothing like the mariners have a 61 run differential and they were nine games behind the rangers that doesn't make any sense no not at all it's so weird how like these standings work and like just how record and affects so much and it's just crazy like a differential run differential of eight and and then like you said the mariners were nine they're right behind them but they were so far behind them in in the standings it's like geez. yeah it, it's incredible it's gonna be fun to watch i think this postseason set up to be a really good one um hopefully for justice sake his giants win that wild card game so his world series pick can still come right uh, come true but we'll until they play the red sox until and then they play the red sox. <laughs> and then my pick right then your pick comes in comes yeah. into play i would love to see a cubs red sox world series that'd be so well, of course fun. it's everyone's dream world series who doesn't want to see that and it should right? have happened it should have happened in 2003 three yeah right but oh, we all know talk that. about 2003 13 years um, later 13 years later, it could happen again. Um, that being said, we're going to get out of here for the week. Don't forget, of course, the show is brought to you by Blue Apron. Um, don't forget to check it out. Red Sox beat. Uh, get a little promo here for us. So go to blueapron.com backslash Red Sox beat, and you'll get your first three meals for free with free shipping. Go check out the menu. Check it out. You get your first three meals for free and kind of ease into it and kind of see how we, why we love it so much. Um, good week of, um, of baseball ahead. Um, and, guys, predictions-wise – who knows what's going to happen this week? <laughs> let's try. Let's, let's guess. Yeah. <laughs> Five-game uh, series the Indians? Five-game series against the Indians. Um, Jess, what do you think? Oh, you're putting me on the spot first? Y- yep. Don't you guys better that. already have your answers. I don't want you copying me. <laughs> I have mine ready to go. All right, cool. All right, I'm going to say Red Sox in five. You know, normally uh, there's been a lot of sweeps in the first round. I know the Red Sox, you know, swept the Angels in 04. This been they've gotten swept in the ALDS. White Sox in 05. But I don't know. I feel like this is a good series. Uh, obviously, the Indians have some problems, um, and I I still wouldn't have picked them even with that. But I think that with just I don't know the way the Kimbrel's looking right now, just close games. Um, the offense could could bash. I don't know. It might be a sweep. But I just think with the first two games in Cleveland, I think it's going to be an exciting close series. Rick Porcello on the mound, game five, he gets the win. Sox win in five. Maybe that's being too generous to the Indians, but I, I think it's going to be a really good series. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. Red Sox and five is written oh, down right here. Me. No, it's <laughs> right down, right here. And the thing, I just think it's, I think it's going to be a hard fought series. I don't think it's going to be easy by any means. And I think it's, I don't think the home field advantage is really going to affect the Red Sox. And it, it, I don't think it really ever has. And it's going to be, it's going to be hard fought. I'm really excited to see Terry Francona again. And I mean, these are two really good teams that have been really good all season. So it's it's not going to be easy. And I'll be surprised if it's if it's a sweep by, by either team, but I'm going Red Sox in five. You guys are going to think I'm on loopy pills here. Um, but oh, I'm you, going to sweep? Your ceremony I'm, comes. I'm going Red Sox in four. Um, I think That's that you will slip up a game here, but I just think you are the better team, um, especially with Porcello getting that start right away. I think David Price is going to get out of his postseason funk. I think this is the time for him to do it. He's on the right team. He's got the right people around him with Ortiz and everything. Um, I think despite the manager, and I think there's some holes with this team with the bullpen and, and obviously Craig Kimbrell, but I think this series you're good enough to beat the Indians, especially with their injuries and their situation right now. Um, so I, I think Red Sox and four is pretty a reasonable uh, request for me. Yeah, I could totally see that. I thought you were going to say sweep, which might be a little Yeah, me too. <laughs> thought about it, and I was like, eh. Probably not. The optimism, the David Price optimism. Who are you, Jared? It's I don't you. know. I don't know, but I just feel like well, you've, ru- you've pretended David. You pretended he's been good all season long. So okay. <laughs> I knew he was terrible at the beginning, but he's been good the whole second half. So like he's been back to who he has been, obviously except for the last couple starts. But I look at it in the sense of he's in the right situation for him to succeed. So if he can't do it now, he's not going to do it ever. So I think that's why I think it's. Do just you have confidence time. in him though? Like, is there is there any confidence? Yeah, because of the way he's been pitching until recently. Like, the whole second half, he's been great. Um, until so, recently. Okay, so Kimbrell was great for two months, and now he hasn't been two two games in a row. You don't have confidence in him. What's the difference? Well, because David Price doesn't have control issues. He has home run issues, though. <laughs> 30 home runs. I, know. I have more confidence in David Price than I do Craig Kimbrell. I don't know. Well, I, I don't. Call me crazy. <laughs> um, I think this is the I year for him. Times. I think this is the year. I think he's in the right situation with the right team. Just I think this is the time for him to kind of bail out of that slump um so call me crazy but that being said we're gonna get out of here for the week with those predictions it's very exciting that the next time we'll talk to you guys we'll talk we're talking about real red Sox playoff games like that actually happened um so we will talk about that next week until then uh for jess thomas and lauren campbell i am jared scally and this has been red Sox beat here on clns radio